before you're seated, will you just bow your heads with me? For just a moment, we'll say a prayer. Thank you, Lord. What a rich and profound and beautiful time of worship. Such truth we've, we've declared as we've sung songs and hymns and spiritual songs to one another, Lord. And we, we claim these truths. We believe, Father, that as your church, we have been built on a firm foundation. The foundation of Jesus Christ, our living hope, the cornerstone of our church. We worship you, Jesus. This morning, as we stand in your presence, we know we're standing in grace and in the stability that comes from knowing you as Savior and Lord. And we know each one of us is a living stone, as Peter talks about, that's been placed into the church, the household of God with intentionality. So we praise you for choosing us, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for this moment. We pray and we pray it in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen, amen. Can we give the Lord a round of applause this morning and thank him. And I'll invite you to be seated there. And as you're being seated, would you pull out your Bible this morning? And if you're there in in your homes, pull out your Bible and open to the Gospel of Luke. We're going back to Luke this morning. And while you're turning there, go to Luke 17 is where we go. A couple of house cleaning items. By now, you all have heard, you all know that on Friday, our governor put our state back into something of a freeze again, a two-week freeze. And uh, specifically, what this means for churches, for faith communities, is that faith gatherings indoors, the new sort of number, the limit, goes from 50 to 25 for the next two weeks, starting on Wednesday. And so um, there's obviously, there's, there's bad news about that, and then there's good news. The good news is that throughout the week in our church, many of our small group gatherings, our faith gatherings, Bible studies, river groups, small groups, the college group, young adults, most of those are 25 and under already. So we'll continue with those throughout the next couple weeks. It does impact this gathering. And so what we've decided to do, we met as a leadership on Friday at 3 p.m. And we decided that for the next two Sundays, we'll go back to our live stream moment. So 10 a.m. live streamed. And we'll do that for two weeks. And then hopefully by God's grace, and I'm going to ask you to pray about this as a church, we'll be able to come back in early December and be back to our in-person gatherings. But for two Sundays, starting next Sunday, it'll just be live streamed from home. We'll be right here in the sanctuary coming to you in your homes. So thank you. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your prayers for us as we navigate all these things. And uh, I'm really excited to be with you. I said this two weeks ago, it's so good to preach to real people. So thank you all for being here and smiling through those masks at me and just being with me. It's wonderful. Will you open your Bible to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17? Our study in Luke has brought us to the theme of faith. Faith. I love this theme. The disciples, they came to Jesus. You remember this? We learned about it two weeks. They came to Jesus. And they cried out, increase our faith. 
And I told you two weeks ago, I believe we're meant to take that cry, that desperate plea, and make it our own as a church. It was recorded for us as well. We need faith, don't we, River West? Increase our faith, we say. They, they cried out to Jesus with that plea because they had heard his vision for what it means to be a disciple. They had heard Jesus' standard for life in Christian community, how he talked about this scandalous kind of forgiveness, like a bottomless well. Jesus had said, even if someone sins against you seven times in the same day and seven times they repent, forgive them. And don't be a stumbling block. Don't cause anyone else to sin. Take sin seriously. And the disciples are hearing all this. And as they're hearing this, it's stirring them up and they're realizing we need more faith. And so they come to Jesus and they cry out. And Jesus teaches. He talks about a mustard seed. And as we learned last week from Eric's wonderful sermon, he talks about understanding your identity as unworthy servants. And then we come to our passage this morning, Luke 17, 11 to 19. And what we're going to find is that once again, Luke places just another spectacular tile into the mosaic of Jesus' teaching about faith. And it's one of these truly fascinating incidents in the gospel. Will you look at it? Here's what happened. Luke 17, starting in verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. This story is a story about faith. And there's a lesson in this story, and it's really timely. And the key to understanding the meaning of this story, because it's a very interesting story, there's a lot going on, lots of interesting details, but you can find the key in the questions that Jesus asks in verse 17. We look again, because he's, he's very perplexed by what's happened. You might even say Jesus is astonished, because look, he starts out and he says, weren't there 10 of you? We're not 10 cleansed? Jesus says, where are the nine? You can almost hear what sounds like a noise in Jesus' voice. Where are the nine? Are you telling me that only one of these ten turned back to say thank you? Right? Was there only one found to return and give praise to God? Unbelievable, Jesus says. And so here's what I... Here's my message this morning. It's so simple. It goes like this. 
There is a fundamental connection between faith and gratitude. Think about that. Isn't that true? Faith and gratitude. Fundamentally connected. In fact, I would argue this morning they can't be separated. The disciples have have come to Jesus. They've said, Jesus, increase our faith. And then what does Luke do next? The very next thing he does, he records a story that shows us that faith gets expressed through gratitude, through learning how to just return and say thank you. In fact, what I want to argue with you this morning is that if you want to see your faith grow, because we're crying out, Jesus, increase our faith, and Jesus is going to say, if you want to see your faith grow, faith, true faith grows in the rich soil of gratitude. That's how it grows. You want to see your faith grow? Learn how to give fuller and deeper and stronger expression to all the things that you're grateful for in Christ. And really, the timing is perfect, isn't it? Because we're entering into a season where we've traditionally expressed gratitude, amen, and thanksgiving, except for that part of it that's all about gluttony, okay, and Black Friday, which is a whole other thing, and uh, how Black Friday, have you ever noticed how Black Friday keeps trying to encroach onto Thursday and turn it into charcoal Thursday, okay? They, they keep going to Thursday night. Uh, a couple years ago, my wife and I had had Thanksgiving with my parents on Thanksgiving Day, and then we were driving back to Portland, and as we were driving back, we came to this massive traffic jam, okay? And I'm, I turned to Kathy and I thought, oh, bummer. Somebody got in a horrible car wreck on Thanksgiving Day. Do you know, want to know what it was? Everybody knows what this was. It was people trying to get off the freeway to go to the outlet malls in Woodburn. It had brought I-5 to a dead stop, all right? But this is a season not, to, not, to, not for gluttony, not for shopping. It's a season to say thank you, to express gratitude. And what I want to do this morning is that I want to tell you that faith, your faith will grow as you learn how to do that. And the amazing thing is that this one Samaritan leper, he shows us the way. It's really interesting. We look back at your Bible, verses 15 and 16. Luke records four things that he does. And every single one of them are about gratitude. And I want you to just sort of write these down. I'm going to put them up on the screen. Four things that he does. And I want to encourage you, practice these over the next couple of months. First, did you notice, verse 15, the very first thing he did, he turned back. And then he praised God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet. And he gave thanks. Amazing. And over the next 15 minutes, what I want to do is I'm going to unpack each of those, and then I'm going to encourage you to practice these. And I guarantee you, as you practice these four simple steps of gratitude, you're going to see your faith grow. I promise you. Promise you. So number one, he turned back. This is so interesting. Think about this, sisters and brothers. Ten lepers cried out for mercy. But only one of them turned back. 
to show gratitude. Ten lepers experienced a miracle of physical healing. All ten of them were miraculously healed. But only one experienced the miracle of spiritual transformation. Ten lepers received blessings from God, but only one of them wanted a relationship with God. Amazing. And so what did he do? He turned back. He turned back. It's a picture of conversion, right? The other word we could use is repentance, repentance of faith. We know in the Bible often repentance is framed as turning around, turning back, going the, you're going one way and repentance often involves turning around and going the other direction. And that's what's happening here. And I love this. And we know that repentance can be filled with thanksgiving and gratitude as you're awakened to the way of God. We often, when we hear the word repentance, we think it's this heavy word, but it's a word filled with joy and gratitude. And I want to, I want to invite you to step into it. Now, there are so many interesting things happening in this account. I don't have time to deal with much of what's happening here. I could take an hour and talk with you about leprosy, but I have to do my, we're doing our sermons in 25 minutes. That's what we're doing these days. Okay. So I can't talk about, I would love to talk about how leprosy in the Bible is often, it's, it's used as a metaphor for sin and how sin impacts us. And I could talk for hours about this, how leprosy, just like sin, it, it disintegrates us. Think about that, right? Leprosy was a, all kinds of skin diseases that would cause your body to begin to disintegrate. You'd lose feeling. And we know lepers would do things like they would burn themselves or step on nails and they had no idea what was happening because they lost feeling. So literally they would begin to disintegrate. I could talk to you about how leprosy like sin isolates people. So lepers had, they were cut off from society. They were unclean. They had to announce themselves. They had to separate away from society. That's why they would form up in colonies of like this group of 10. And that's what sin does. It isolates us. I could talk to you about how leprosy like sin robs us of our future. But I don't have time because I have to do this in 25 minutes. Okay? I could, if I had time, I would talk to you about how the, the priest was the one who, the only one who had the authority to validate that a person had been healed of leprosy. And that was how a leper, they would go to a priest if they had been healed and then they could reenter society. I don't have time to do that. I could preach an entire sermon on the fact that Jesus instructed the 10 lepers, think about this, he instructed the 10 lepers to show themselves to the priest before they had been healed. Now think about that. Because it seems like Jesus got the order wrong. <laughs> Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest. And they're like, we're not healed yet. Jesus, did you get that turned around? No. Think about this. Jesus is saying, if you step out in faith and obey my word, even though right now you cannot see the healing, the miracle, but if you obey me and walk in faith, I promise you by the time you get to the priest, you will be healed. Amen? Isn't that powerful? We need to hear that. And I could preach for hours on that, but I don't have time. <laughs> and honestly... That's not even really the main point of this. The main point is that nine did not turn back. 
Only one did. And Luke is saying, don't be like the nine. And look at it. It's fascinating. Look at the last phrase of verse 14. It's so incredible. It says, as they went, they were cleansed. As they went. Jesus said to them, go, show yourself to the priest. And initially, it looks like they all have faith. They all obey. They start walking. And Luke says, as they went, they were cleansed. Now, there are certain moments in the Bible where I, where I think I would love to have been there to see what this looked like. What was this like? Imagine it. Ten people with leprosy walking, and as they walk, they begin to be healed. What was that like? There they are, moving together, and suddenly they feel tingling in the tips of their fingers. They feel sensation. Perhaps skin or hair that had been leprous and white, white hair turned back to the normal color. They probably saw it in one another before they even felt it in themselves. Imagine what it would have been like to be walking as a leper. Maybe you had, were missing toes, to have toes suddenly reappear, to have crutches fall, bandages fall. I imagine that the joy and the energy and the shouting was picking up, and I bet they began sprinting and high-fiving, and it was incredible. And there they are, and they're running, running at a mad pace back into the village, back into society, back into their life, all of them running, 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 except... One, one of them slowed down and stopped and turned around and went back. We, we can't rush past this. Think about this. One of those men realized what's happened to me is about more than just physical healing. God has just done something in my life, and he's done it through that person back there, that man, Jesus. And somehow he has the faith to discern, I need to turn around and go back. And I think Luke is saying, oh, but reader, what about you? What about you? Don't be like the nine. Look at what Jesus says to the man. This is, this is really, really profound. The very last thing that Jesus says, he says, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, what, I, what you can't see is that the Greek word for made you well is the word sozo, and it means salvation. It means to be saved. Whereas before, when Jesus is talking about the healing of the ten, he does not use this word salvation. He uses a couple of other words. One of the words that he uses in verse 14 is the word katarizo, which is the word we, from which we get our English word catheter. Do you know what a catheter is? Do you want me to put a picture up? Maybe I shouldn't. You know what it is. It's a, a catheter means something that cleanses you, so there's like a cleansing and there's a healing, and all ten experience that. But wait a minute. When Jesus describes the one who turned around, who converted, who repented and went back to Jesus, he says something else happened. Salvation. I love this. 
Jesus is saying healing and salvation are not always the same thing. Jesus is saying, I haven't just come to do miracles. I haven't just come to bless you physically. I've come to bring you a saving relationship with God through me. But you have to turn around. You have to convert. You have to repent. And it's, and it's an ongoing part of the Christian life, that turning back. I don't know where you are, River West, out there, or those of you who have tuned in. I don't know where you're headed. I don't know what direction you are going, but I know this. Jesus is calling you today. Today is the day. He says, turn around and come back. In a few moments, I'll say a prayer about that. But first, we'll move to our second sort of moment. He turned around, and look what he did next. He praised God with a loud voice. I love this so much. He was shouting. I have a feeling that the moment he slowed down and realized he was healed, he started shouting praises to God. And I want to ask you a question this morning, River West. Are you a Christian who praises God with a loud voice? Is that the kind of Christian you are? I read a commentary this week. It was really interesting. I was reading one of the commentaries, and the commentator said, okay, well, maybe, maybe the reason he was shouting is because he had spent his whole life always shouting unclean, right? So it was like he had never worked on his inside voice. You know when your mom used to say, work on your inside voice, right? And this guy never worked on that. And to be honest, when I read that, I thought to myself, that's the dumbest thing. I've, I'm literally dumber for having read that. All right. I do not think that's what's going on here. I think what's going on here is that this guy realized what God has done and he couldn't contain himself anymore. And he shouted out to God. And brothers and sisters, that's what happens when you realize how God, good God has been to you. Amen. You just can't contain it. I remember being in our sanctuary a couple of years ago and a man had come to worship and, and he had been rescued out of some really dark, crazy, painful things. And he was there in worship and the worship started to get joyful and elevated. And this man just started shouting, shouting. And the people around him sort of stopped and they looked over and I thought, oh, is this going to get awkward? And then a couple of the people on either side of him just put their hands on his shoulder and one of them said, go for it. <laughs> Praise God. And I loved that moment. Brothers and sisters, sometimes I fear that we have it so good in our lives that we just begin to take things for granted and it robs us of our gratitude. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? We can get so used to the, all of the blessings, all of the goodness that we start to lose that joy we once had. And so the power, the beauty of going back to a moment like this and saying, in so many ways, I'm no different than this one man that God healed. Oh, I hope it restores your joy and your praise. Now, does it mean you have to come to church and scream? No, okay, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the condition of your heart as a worshiper, whether you're worshiping here or at home. What Jesus is saying is worship with all of your heart. 
If you want to shout, go for it. Make it awkward here. I welcome it, all right? But the point is praise God with all of your heart, soul, mind, strength. Amen? Amen. Turn back. Praise God with a loud voice. I love this next one. What did he do? He fell on his face at Jesus' feet. Like a Pete Rose slide. He just, he went running back and he just, he was immediately on the ground, on his face, total submission. I see the connection back to Pastor Eric's sermon last Sunday in the sermon about the unworthy servant. You remember that? And sort of recognizing our identity as servants. And now what is this, what is this Samaritan leper doing? He's saying, here is the posture of a servant before the true king. And that posture is to fall on your knees, fall on your face. Praise God. And can I make you a promise, River West? In the days and weeks to come, if you were to take that posture in your spirit and your heart in, the, in your prayer time, you're going to see your faith grow. I promise you. I promise you. Ten lepers cried out for mercy. One of them, one of them, though, was given eyes to see something that the other ten were not allowed to see. His eyes were open and he, and he realized the true identity of Jesus. Nine went rushing off. Had they been blessed by God? Yes, they were healed and they went rushing off. But one of them saw the identity of Jesus, recognized God is at work in our world uniquely through this person, Jesus Christ. And he turned around praising God and he went back with faith directed towards a very specific person. This is incredible. Let me tell you something. True faith, Christian faith, authentic faith, faith that has power, faith that saves, it's always directed. It's not vague. It's not mystical. It's not misty. It's not super open, vague, mystical, undirected faith has no power. But the kind of faith that will change your life is the faith that gets directed towards a very specific person. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Over the next days and weeks to come when someone says, hey, what are you thankful for? We often would say, oh, I'm thankful for generic, general things. What if you, over the next few weeks, said, you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for Jesus. Think of the power of that in your relationships. Not just I'm thankful for God's blessings. God's blessings are wonderful. But what if you said, God has blessed me because of my relationship with Jesus, the power of that. Scholars have noted that this moment is a warning to Israel. So think about this. The, the one person who gets the identity of Jesus is, is, a, is not an Israelite. Isn't that interesting? The only one who sees the true identity of Jesus is a foreigner, a Samaritan, the other nine go rushing off, except for this foreigner. And part of Luke's purpose is to say, 
a warning. Israel, do not miss the true identity of Jesus. And what I would argue is for us today, this is a warning against vague spirituality. Just sort of spirituality that's not directed. And Luke is saying, do not miss the point. True faith, true worship, true practice as a church is practice directed at one person in the universe. And his name is Jesus. Amen? Amen. And that's why we love him. And that's why we worship him. And that's why, finally, we are people who give thanks. Do you see that? He, what did he do? Four things. He turned back. He praised God with a loud voice. He fell on his face, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet. And finally, he gave thanks. He gave thanks. It's so simple, and yet it's so unbelievably Profound. Faith and gratitude are inseparable. You cannot separate them. In fact, I'd go as far as to say you will know that your faith is vital and growing by the depth of your gratitude to Jesus. That's how you'll know. It's a fascinating word. The moment I say it, you'll recognize it, especially if you were raised at all in uh, Catholic or Orthodox traditions, this word he gave thanks is the Greek word eucharisteo, from which we get our word Eucharist. Eucharist. It's what we, the word we've used to describe communion or the Lord's Supper. It's an amazing word. Eu is the Greek word good, and charis is the Greek word grace. It mean, to give thanks, it means good grace. It means we stop, we pause, we look at what God's done in our lives, and we offer up to him an offering of thanksgiving. We say, God, your grace is so good. Your grace is so good. Where would I be if you had not loved me? Where would I be if you had not chosen me? Where would I be if you had not shown me the, the true identity of Jesus? Where would I be if you had not brought healing and mercy and forgiveness into my life? God, your grace is so good. And it's an offering. There's, there's, there's almost like a, a return of generosity so, so gratitude and generosity often go hand in hand because we're saying, God, you've been generous. You've been good. You poured out gifts. And I am now responding back to you with generosity and gratitude. Thank you, God, for your grace. So good. And here's the thing, River West, I know... I know the depth of your gratitude because we've seen it. We've seen your generosity in these days. A lot of you have had to pivot and give. You've had to give to the church in different ways because we haven't been gathering. So you've given online. You've sent gifts to the church offices. We get, every time gifts come, they get wrapped in these thank you notes. We're getting dozens and dozens of thank you notes. We've been so amazing. So thank you for that. And can I just take this moment to encourage you to continue in your generosity? We do need your generosity as we come to the year end. And generosity is a, it's a demonstration of gratitude. It's the people of God saying, God, you've been so good to us, so we're gonna respond back to you with generosity. 
and gratitude.